following paid program on this station is pre-recorded. No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth radio show shall constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation or diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes. When it comes to investing, retirement, and legacy planning, the decisions you make today can greatly impact the quality of life for both you and your loved ones tomorrow. What you need is straight, unbiased information on the most important issues you'll face when planning for your financial future. Good news. You found the Growing Your Wealth radio show with Brian Evans. Brian is the founder of Madrona Financial Services, and with his background as a CPA, he brings a unique perspective to the investment and financial planning world. He follows the philosophy rooted in his tax experience of, it's not what you make, but what you keep. And this focus on tax-smart investment strategies is all part of the fully integrated planning strategy known as the Madrona Bundle of Services. You'll hear Brian's thoughts on everything impacting your portfolio, from income to taxes and from growth opportunities to long-term security this is your source of comprehensive financial information you'll soon understand why they call it the madrona difference so get ready for an hour full of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio and welcome to growing your wealth with brian evans Thank you so much, and welcome to Growing Your Wealth, a radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to invest better, live better, retire better, and give better. Thank you for joining us today. We have some valuable information for you during the coming hour that could change your financial life for the better. My name is Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but the words of wisdom and solid advice come from the expert Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. How you doing today, Brian? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Always glad to hear it. As always, I hope our listeners are doing well today, too. We're here together on the radio this weekend and every weekend to talk about your fiscal fitness and making sure that you do not have that situation that I think about 49, 50%, if not more, people are afraid of, and that is running out of money. And Brian, I hear so many stories these days on a personal level from people, not only in my family, but otherwise, about running out of money in retirement. That's really a very big concern, isn't it, because of lack of planning? Well, yeah, you know, we offer free financial plans. And when we send uh, the questionnaire out, we have a, a number of questions that we ask both spouses to fill out individually as to what are you most concerned about on a scale of one to 10? And one of those questions is running out of money. And almost invariably, that's in the top three, you know, as far as the highest score. Even people that have many, many millions of dollars We'll circle that box because of the lack of planning. I mean, okay, I have a lot of money, I think. I've got some real estate. I've got some stock market investments. I have other assets. I think I'm okay, but I don't really have a distribution strategy of those assets into turning that into what we spend for the next potentially 30 years of our life when I'm not working. So certainly running out of money, even if you have millions of dollars, is a big concern if you haven't done the planning as to where the income is going to come from. You're exactly right, Brian, and so many people are concerned about that, and rightfully so, and they can do a lot about that by getting a financial plan. And I'm going to tell a little bit about my personal life here. I am aged 64. I am the youngest of five children. My oldest brother is a bit older, but he always talked 
about his biggest fear was running out of money when he got older. And guess what, Brian? He is out of money. And the reason is because he retired early from his job. He had a government position and they were closing Air Force bases and that sort of thing. So they retired him early and he decided to do it himself because he always thought he was the smartest person in the room. Well, it didn't work out that way. His investments didn't pan out. Then came 2008 and that particular crisis that devastated him. And then he decided, well, I've heard these commercials that say I can make money in the stock market by day trading. And so he took these classes and just didn't work out the way he had planned because he decided to do it himself. And I think a lot of our listeners and the reason I bear my soul and tell that story, Brian, is because I think a lot of people out there listening to this program say, Brian is a really smart guy, but they think I can do this myself. I'm a pretty bright guy. Why is that always not a good plan to do it yourself? Well, you know, you bring up a lot of interesting points there. Thank you for sharing that. It's not that you can't do it yourself as far as growing, you know, your nest egg, growing your assets and so forth. As I mentioned, I see a lot of these questionnaires. I've got, you know, millions and millions of dollars of net worth. Well, everything should be fine. Why did you check the box a 10 on what you're worried about where it said to running out of money? Well, it's because you don't have a distribution plan. And so now that's a whole different set of circumstances, building your wealth and figuring out how to make it last 30 years and have the proper cash flow are two different things. So it's just a different dilemma you need to solve for. You did the first part right, great. You built up a bunch of wealth, but now there are a lot of products out there that you can't even access by yourself. And that's a big thing right there. So I'm thinking about your brother here and I'm thinking, okay, that guy that's always on the TV and radio saying, I hate annuities and you should too. I wonder what your brother would have thought about had he bought an annuity prior to 2008 that doesn't lose any value when the market crashes. Ooh, check. That pays you monthly cash flow for life. Ooh, check box there. These are the things... Looking back, he's, you know, he would have loved to have. Instead, he went all market and he lost it. And so the contention, I hate annuities, I only love the stock market, is significantly flawed for most of my clients because most of my clients want a measure of safety and security in their investments. All of my clients, all of my clients want monthly cash flow in retirement that's guaranteed. That's what annuities do. So when they come on here and I get people every probably one third of people, I, I think I hate annuities. I'm <laughs> like, well, you've been programmed to say that by Ken Fisher. But I can guarantee you all of my clients want monthly cash flow. I'm not saying every annuity, everybody should go out and run out and buy as many annuities as they want. It can be a, a piece of a portfolio, a very important piece, solving very important real concerns to retirees that are no longer working, that don't want to have all of their money at risk all of the time, and want to have some guarantee of cash flow for life. Now, Brian, my brother's been retired for something like 25 years, and back then the financial landscape may be different than it is today. And, you know, knowing him, I think he would have said, well, these annuities can only pay this much. I'm, I'm all in, you know, very, very risky sort of thing, and I'm smart enough to pick the right stocks. How long have annuities been around, and would that have been a choice for him, you know, like 25 years ago? Well, that's a good point, too, because uh, the annuity world has, has changed significantly. Uh, back then, all you had to pick from really were variable annuities with high commissions and high fees and you know of the annuities out there we don't sell those and so maybe that you know that's a reason why he wouldn't have done that but you know we're we're today and now and now we have fixed indexed annuities that, that don't have those high commissions they don't have those high internal fees so now fiduciaries have access 
to uh, the fixed index annuities, which is what we would offer somebody in the right circumstance in that. And so that, that would be a reason. Certainly product has changed from 20, 25 years ago. And much of the most interesting stuff that we talk about on the radio, whether it's fixed index annuities, fixed index universal life for tax-free cash flow and retirement, or income and estate tax-free legacy planning, whether it's private non-traded real estate investment trusts or Delaware statutory trusts for 1031 exchanges. The common theme of everything I just said is that you can't go out and buy one on your own. You can't. You have to go through a financial advisor. So you think you can do it on your own, but you don't have access to most of the most interesting product lines that are out there to look at. And so that's why you just can't. I mean, you could be the smartest guy in the world, but if you can't, you can't. You don't have access to the club. You know, you, you can't get in the club uh, without the membership pass, and, and you have to go through an advisor to get these things. It's just an SEC rule. So that's why we talk about those kinds of investments more than the typical investments. We don't talk a lot about the stock market here. We're going to do some of that today, but there is all these other product lines is why you can't do it all by yourself. Brian, we've talked before about, you know, Boeing and layoffs and some of these companies that are offering people buyouts. If someone were to get a large lump sum of money in a buyout, what would be the first step that they would take to ensure that they have, uh, you know, money into their retirement? Would you first, you know, look at safe money investments before you looked at growing anything at all? Well, actually, the first thing I look at is whether to take the lump sum at all. I have looked at that many, many, many times. And sometimes whatever union they were with negotiated a great pension and the payout is significant. And and their age is of a certain age that I say, you know what? Uh, You'll never hear this from any other financial advisor in the world. But I'm telling you, don't take the lump sum. Don't let me invest your money. Take the monthly cash flow. And they look at me like, yeah, I, I didn't hear that from anybody else I talked to. I said, well, I, I'm supposed to act as a fiduciary, and lo and behold, I actually do. Yeah. I, and so I, I tell a lot of people that. But then there's other ones where I look at them and go, oh, your rate returns pretty lousy on this pension. Let's look into alternatives to that where we would maybe have some in a fixed index annuity meant to replace the pension to some degree, some in some of these other products I just mentioned and have a mix of those, including the stock market. And then the combination of them is what we anticipate to do better than whatever the the monthly cash flow would have accomplished. So if I've gotten a lump sum of money, of course, the first thing I would do is come to you and ask you what I should do with it. But I would think, at least for my own individual situation, I would want some safe money income coming in in retirement. I would take a portion of that and do that with that. But I think my brother's problem was too many eggs or all the eggs in one basket. And that happened to be the stock market. Diversity is really, really important when designing a portfolio, Brian, is it? Oh, yeah, it, it can be. And, and certainly there are situations where you have enough assets that are already, let's say you already have a great pension and so forth. You can take risks that you would otherwise not normally take. I mean, if you have these things solved for, then you don't have to go out and have a big, heavy bond portfolio or anything like that. You can take some risks and your returns will probably be better by taking those risks. But you're right. I mean, but this all starts with you had some kind of measure of security and cash flow and retirement. And there, there's five things we're solving for in five different ways. We all want growth and we want cash flow, security, liquidity, and income tax savings. So you got those five things and there's no product that does all five. So one might do growth. Look at the stock market. 
but it sure doesn't do cash flow or security. And so annuities, what are they good at? Oh, cash flow and security. Okay, well, there's two pieces. <laughs> now, liquidity, what, what does good? Oh, oh, stock market's actually liquid. Oh, all right. Now I got four things. Is it tax efficient? No. Uh, what about FIULs, fixed index universal life? Yep, income tax free. Oh, check that box. Okay. See, now we're starting to add different attributes with different products because no one product does all the things we want. We're talking about not running out of money in retirement with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs here on Growing Your Wealth. Thank you for joining us here in this fine weekend. If you have questions about anything that we have spoken about today, again, you can call here at 844-MADRONA, 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A, and request your financial plan. There's no cost and there is no obligation for that whatsoever. You can also vet the firm and request your plan online at madronafinancial.com. Brian, time for our first break. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more of our show after this. Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans will be right back with even more ways to help you stay focused on your retirement goals. When you're researching something, weeding through all the available information can be daunting, especially when it concerns your retirement. What you want is a thorough analysis from an expert. Good news. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services has done that for you in his recently published ebook series, Inside Retirement Investing, Volumes 1, 2, and 3. You can get your free copy by calling 844-MADRONA today or visit madronafinancial.com to download your free copy. The Inside Retirement Investing ebook series covers everything from the basics of retirement planning to investing to taxes and so much more. Call now to secure your free copy, 844-MADRONA. Madrona Financial Services provides a one-stop integrated approach to retirement planning. Schedule a complimentary no-obligation financial review to get on the path to achieving your retirement goals and get your free copy of the Inside Retirement Investing eBooks by calling 844-MADRONA or by visiting madronafinancial.com. Inflation frustration. You probably don't know what that means, but if you bought a gallon of milk for $1.50 in 1975 and you just went to the store to pay more than double that today, well, I hate to break it to you, but you're experiencing inflation frustration. One of the most important things to plan for, especially in retirement, is inflation. It can happen while you're not paying attention and seriously damage your buying power and longevity of funds. If your investment strategy isn't dealing with inflation frustration, then you're putting yourself at risk. Madrona Financial Services designs retirement plans that take things like inflation, future health care expenses, and exposure to unnecessary risk into account when creating unique retirement plans. Call Madrona Financial Services right now for something that's not impacted by inflation. A free financial review with no obligation. Call 844-MADRONA, 844-MADRONA, or visit them online at madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com. Tired of getting only half the story? We've got you covered with the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with your host, Brian Evans. Now, here's Brian. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to continue our discussion about growing your wealth. And Brian, a lot of people have accumulated their wealth via real estate. They bought real estate many years ago. It's appreciated a great deal. It's worth a lot of money on paper. They've got the cash flow going for them. But, you know, that's one thing when you're in your 40s, your 50s. But when you get into your maybe late 60s, 70s, close to 80 years old, I mean, as we said, there's still some people who enjoy uh, managing real estate and owning real estate at those ages. But then there are others who go, wait a minute, things are changing here a little bit. I'm not sure that I'm up for toilets, tenants, and trash at this stage. 
stage of my life. And there are some recent developments here locally, in addition to around the country, that is just making it more difficult for people to own investment real estate. Yeah, there's been a lot of changes in that. I've had more talks about investment real estate this year than any other year ever. People are, for a number of reasons, the obvious ones are, you know, prices have gone way up. And uh, so, you know, that's one thing. It might be a a good time to sell sometimes. You think you're going to get a lot more than you ever thought that place would be worth. But, you know, we've had other changes, too, due to COVID. We've had landlord-tenant rules changed and no evictions and moratoriums on that kind of thing. And even where maybe the tenant could pay rent, they choose not to. There's not, not a whole lot you can do about it. That's right, Brian. That's very interesting. I had a conversation with a building manager who said that even though some tenants violate their lease, they can't even evict people for violating the lease these days that the tenant-landlord laws have shifted so much in favor of the tenant that it really really is an onerous situation, and even large corporations who own some of these buildings are thinking twice about owning them. But what about the regular person who maybe owns a handful of rental houses or rental apartments or properties in Seattle, and they're tired of this sort of thing, the onerous landlord laws and, you know, just being handicapped completely? Is there an alternative for them in terms of keeping that rental income and still being in the real estate business? Yeah, there still is an alternative for them that could change under new tax proposals by the Biden administration to try and do away with Section 1031 exchanges. But I would say that, you know, I I hear these stories about, oh, you know, can't evict anybody. Okay, I get that. And, you know, nobody wants to see an eviction. But the people calling for that then should figure out how to come up with the money, whether it's the city councils or whatever, how to come up with the money to pay for it. I mean, they come up with money to pay for roads and schools and everything else. Mm -hmm. If they want somebody to not receive income that they are relying on for their pension, because remember, most rental houses, most, a vast majority, are not owned by corporations. Uh, They're owned by individuals. And those individuals put their blood, sweat, and tears and money into all of these rental houses as their pension. So if you were receiving a pension, let's say that you'd worked for, uh, you were a teacher your whole career, and you're getting a $50,000 a year pension for your 30 years of service. And then the Seattle City Council says, you know, we're going to put a moratorium on your pension. We need that money for clean energy. And they say, we're going to not pay you your pension anymore. Would you be okay with that? Probably not. But they're saying to landlords, you don't need your pension, your rental income. We're going to confiscate that. We're going to not make people pay it. And you don't get your income for your life. We've chosen a class of people to attribute that to because you're rich landlords when they're going, I'm not a rich landlord. I I was getting 50,000 a year because that's what I chose to do. My neighbor who worked at Boeing's getting 50,000 a year. My other neighbor was a teacher. They're getting 50,000 a year. I was singled out as the one that doesn't get money anymore. Is that very fair, do you think, Jeff? I don't think so at all. And, you know, again, this conversation with this building manager, he was saying that they are encountering people who have the money to pay rent. They've just chosen not to because they can get away with not paying the rent. And some of these people have not paid rent for two years or so. Yeah. So, you know, again, nobody wants an eviction. But if you're going to put a moratorium, you ought to come up with a mechanism to pay for the rent. You know, it's, it's somebody has to pay that bill. And, and a, a lot of people lost sight of that uh, that are in charge of things. So 
I've got a lot, a lot of clients that are saying, you know what, I'm kind of done with this whole idea of being a landlord. I'm going to sell my properties. And that's why we've had more Delaware statutory trust conversations this year than any every other year. Not only are prices up, not only are landlords older than they were before. That's what happens and time goes by. But they're concerned about landlord tenant rules and, and everything else. And so they're saying, you know what? Now's the time for me to make a shift and sell my rental house at an all time high and reinvest those proceeds into a diversified portfolio of passive real estate. And, you know, if they get into DSTs, I've, I've seen various ones are not available all the time, but in the past there have been self-storage or apartment buildings or industrial parks or mobile home parks where you just have the, the land. There's all kinds of you know net lease properties, whatever. There's all kinds of different property types out there that uh, you might be able to diversify into and get your monthly rent from that, not pay the income taxes on the sale, get some tax benefits, and most of all, not have to be a landlord because these are passive investments. So the Delaware Statutory Trust has been a huge topic of interest, uh, especially for our firm, because we're one of the few that, that knows this space quite well. And we've done more, more of that uh, this year than ever before. And the Delaware Statutory Trust, I mean, even if you sold your property, you're going to pay taxes on it if you do not put that money into something else, such as the Delaware Statutory Trust. So there are tax advantages to that. But the Delaware Statutory Trust isn't for everybody. You do have to be an accredited investor to uh, work with a DST. What is an accredited investor? Yeah, you got to have a million-dollar net worth outside of your residence. Now, most people have that just from their rental, you know, because the mm-hmm. rentals are so valuable here. If we were in Springfield, Missouri or something, we probably Dayton, Ohio, or other places we've talked about on the show before, sure. um, that may not be the case. You might have three rental houses, and they're each worth 200000 I don't know. But here, you know, you have three rental houses. You got a million dollars. Easily. Uh, pretty easy. And and you're right also that it's not for every situation. Like, sometimes I have people come, and they tell me, and I ask them, okay, tell me about your house. This happened this week. And I said, well, it's it's selling for $700,000. What was paid for it? It was 18000 I remember the number. Okay, <laughs> so we have a huge gain. Uh, but you said it's your your mom. When did you, when did your dad pass away? Uh, three years ago. What was it valued then? Well, you know, whatever five hundred fifty thousand. So we started doing the math, and it turned out that because of her bracket and everything else being so low, because she was just had this house and Social Security, that her tax was going to be about fifteen grand on the seven hundred thousand dollars because of the step-up in basis that she got from when her husband passed away. So once I finished talking it through, I said, don't do not do a DST. Don't do an exchange. Just take the money and pay the little bit of tax. And so that was the right answer for that situation. So we have to do a tax analysis. Another thing, uh, let's say that there wasn't a step-up and there's a huge gain. Well, because she's getting Social Security, there's an amount of capital gains she could claim and pay either 0 or 10%, a very low bracket. And so we would want to do an estimate of that and not put that money into a 1031. Actually have some taxable income because the tax is so low or maybe even non-existent. So there are times where we will, you know, if she sold it for 700K, maybe we only put 625 into the 1031. The other 75 she pockets pays the tax on it, but the tax is so low, that was actually a very good move. So Brian, I'm sure that we piqued the interest of a lot of our listeners here about Delaware Statutory Trust. I 
do want to point them to the website madrona1031.com. As you said, you were one of the few firms who know this space inside and out. So check out madrona1031.com if you're an active landlord and you're even thinking about getting out of being an active landlord and transferring to being a passive landlord. Now, Brian, there are people listening to this who go, wow, that sounds like a pretty good idea. I think I'll just sell my property and put it right into a DST. But there is a proper order of things that if you don't follow the order, you're going to blow it completely. Absolutely. Thanks for bringing that up. Yes, you have to hire a qualified intermediary before you close on your property. So if you don't know what I just said, then you need to call us before you do anything so we can explain that to you. Because if you miss that by even a minute, you've blown your chance for a 1031 exchange and tax deferral. So uh, a very important step. But, uh, you know, we can guide you through the process. We can even find you the qualified intermediary. We aren't a QI. Uh, but we can find one for you uh, locally, or, or uh, we've been doing uh, actually a ton of them across the country, right? Because I got a lot of Kiplinger articles out there written on the topic. So probably about one out of every four or five calls is from another state. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, I'm you know I'm executor, or I'm you know helping my mom out. She's in Colorado. I'm in Pennsylvania. I read your article online. Can you do an exchange, you know, a, a DST with us? I'm like, yeah, of course we can. We can do them anywhere in the country. And so you can sell a property anywhere in the country. We, we have national qualified intermediaries to work with, the whole thing. So it doesn't matter where you're at. I'm glad we talked about this. A lot of people ask me that question. Can you, if it's in another place? Absolutely. We do it all the time. So, Brian, I've got residential real estate that I own. I sell that real estate. The money actually doesn't ever come into my hands or it doesn't come into my hands immediately, does it? Yeah, it can't touch your your bank account. It has to go to the qualified intermediary as a conduit, and then they send it to the sponsor of the Delaware Statutory Trust, essentially the the new landlord, and then you own a, a fractional interest in whatever real estate you're purchasing. And you might purchase various different Delaware Statutory Trust interests in different kinds of properties in different states. So Brian, let's talk about some of the asset classes and the different types of properties, the types of properties that we think are going to be really good investments in the future and those that maybe are not going to be so great investments. Yeah, certainly apartment buildings are uh, a lot of DSTs are apartments and uh you know they are you're picking the apartment that you're investing in. It's not oh they're going to buy a bunch of apartments. No, it'll be an apartment in a certain place. I'll I can show you the address of what you'd be buying in mm-hmm. with a bunch of other people. So they aren't greatly diversified investments. Sometimes the DST might have four different apartments in three different states or whatever it is. But you're buying into a specific piece of real estate. So sometimes that's a really good thing. Oh yeah, I, I bought one in Nashville and another one, you know, in Charlotte. And boy, they went way up in value. That's great. And then your neighbor said, oh, I bought one in, you know, Poughkeepsie or whatever. And mm-hmm. I didn't do very well. Yeah, probably not. Uh, so, it, you know, it does depend on, you know, we know real estate location, location, location. We saw self-storage do really well through the pandemic because the funny thing is people we talked about maybe don't pay their rent because they can't be evicted. But if they miss their rent for a month on self-storage, guess what happens? All their stuff gets sold. Yeah. That's right. So they make sure they get that one paid. So that's an interesting thing. Uh, again, I like to always remind people, the United States is the only country on the planet that has self-storage as a, a main asset class. Uh, they don't have self-storage in Europe and, and other right. places, as I understand, to any degree. 
And so, uh, you know, that's been interesting. We'll see about student housing. I'm not sure, you know, about that. Certainly industrial parks. If you have a long-term Amazon lease, that could be really stable. You probably won't see a lot of rent increases because they've negotiated them out. You know, there's there's all kinds of different property types out there. Like I said, manufactured housing, I mentioned that one, where they don't own the structure, but they own the, the land and they get the land lease. So there's really no damage could be done to those places. And they're always fully rented because, you know, it's a cheap uh, place to live for people. And if someone doesn't pay their rent, they lose their structure. You know, that's just the way that goes. So there are uh, lots and lots of different asset classes and you can mix and match, but there aren't a ton of DSTs. I've seen some competitors out there that will give you a, a catalog and say, all right, here's the 200 DSTs that you can look at. And you go, wow, look at the inventory they have. And in the bottom left of every single one, it'll be, say, fully subscribed. Yeah, right. Because they've all been fully subscribed. They get subs- The good ones get subscribed before they even come out. They get subscribed right away if they're any good. There's only a finite amount available at any given time. So don't be fooled by somebody saying, oh, we have dozens and dozens and dozens. No, they don't. We're talking about rental real estate, the Delaware Statutory Trust with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Madrona1031.com. If you have at least $500,000 or more to invest, you're looking to hire a new financial advisor, we invite you to request your complimentary no-cost, no-obligation financial plan to talk about whatever you want to talk about, including Delaware Statutory Trust. To get yours, call 844-MADRONA, 844-MADRONA, or you can request it online at madronafinancial.com. Time for a break. We'll be right back with more of our show after this. Stay tuned for more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show you can't afford to miss. Declare your retirement independence today with Madrona Financial Services. Having the right investment strategy can allow you all sorts of freedom to do what you want, when you want, for the rest of your life. You've worked hard. You've saved a lot. And at Madrona Financial Services, we want to help you avoid what's likely your single largest expense in retirement, taxes. With all the economic fallout from the pandemic and the new administration settling in, taxes are almost certainly on the rise. Somebody has to pay for the trillions in debt we're racking up, right? Don't let it be you. Call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA and learn about what it means to truly achieve retirement independence. The number is 844-MADRONA, or you can learn more online by visiting madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com. Old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding. That's the Madrona way. Madronafinancial.com. So you want to learn more about planning for retirement, but weeding through all the available information can be daunting and confusing. So what do you do? You go to madronafinancial.com and download your free copy of Brian Evans' recently published book series, Inside Retirement Investing. This complete guide to retirement planning covers everything from investing to taxes and so much more. Get on the path to achieving your retirement goals and get your free copy of the Inside Retirement Investing series by calling 844-MADRONA or by visiting madronafinancial.com. You can't build a house with just one tool, and you can't plan for retirement without an integrated, comprehensive strategy. If you want to get more information on the Madrona Bundle of Services, call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now, back to more of Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. 
Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to continue our discussion about landlords and Delaware statutory trusts. And Brian, a lot of people own uh, investment real estate, as we've talked about. They're looking to get out of that. They're looking to continue in real estate, but they don't want to be active landlords dealing with toilets, tenants, and trash. Now, some things have changed because of COVID. What have the effects of COVID been on the DST arena? Yeah, so it has added to the complexity for active landlords. And I, I just thought of a situation here, too, where I had a, somebody that is has thought about doing a DST, but they're really concerned about well, what if the DST goes south and, and so forth. And I'm thinking, well, you know, that's one of the points of a DST is that you've got uh, multiple tenants. Uh, you might have self-storage. You might have an apartment building. You're probably not going to have 0% occupancy of any of these things, you know, that diverse Diversification matters. And it was interesting because this person was asking that. And, no, and I know that of their three commercial buildings, one of them, the tenant wasn't paying. One of them had a tenant that only had three years left on their lease and probably wasn't going to renew. And the third one she's getting rent for. And she's worried about, about doing a DST. I'm thinking, well, this is probably a big upgrade in your real estate quality rather than a downgrade because you, you got some real issues uh, in your future there. And not to mention the person was in their 80s and worried about their tenants all the time. So, like again, you know, back to our first segment about what is, what is it for? You know, once you're worth more than $10 million and you're in your 80s, is it important to you to get up every day and worry about whether your tenant's going to pay rent or not? I Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But certainly the DSTs are the rescue package for that. Uh, she could sell the buildings that she has and, and reinvest in multiple different properties uh, with the DSTs and start getting your rent checks. And her rent checks would be, in this case, much higher with the DST than they were with what she has now. So they can be a great solution, especially for my aging clients. Brian, because of COVID as well, too, the remote work environment has caused a lot of people to be able to work from wherever they want to. And I'm seeing a lot of commercial buildings go vacant. Has that considerably changed the commercial real estate market insofar as DSTs go? Yeah, there's a lot going on with real estate. We were talking a break about all the new apartments going up around places. And you might go, oh, gee, I guess people think that more people need apartments due to COVID. Well, that's not really the case because when you're building a big apartment complex, you know, with a couple hundred units, that plan was set in place years ago, many years ago. The permitting, the architecture, the everything, getting it through, getting the building done, the financing, everything. It takes a long time, a huge lead time on that. So everything we're seeing going up now was planned out well before any COVID effects. So you might see some areas get very overbuilt because of that, because, oh, our economy is just rip-roaring along. People need apartments. This is great. Well, you know, now that COVID's happened, a lot of people want a house. <laughs> they don't want an apartment anymore. Oh, yeah. Or maybe they don't want to live in the city that they that all these apartments were planned for because their job is remote now, and they can live somewhere else much cheaper, have more square footage, maybe have a garage, maybe not as much traffic, as congestion, noise, all the stuff that you, you have to put up with in the city. So I think there could be a, a real effect to that, especially for housing in the cities, especially with all the, I'm going to call it overbuilding that's probably occurring right now. Brian, we know that big cities like Seattle, for example, is not a place where you would look to purchase a Delaware statutory trust. What are some of the hottest areas in the country or areas that you have placed more DSTs in than others? 
Oh, great question. Yeah, I get asked that all the time. So do you have DSTs in Washington? I'm like, no, I've never seen any. <laughs> I might, might have seen one once. You know, that was it. But no, the cap rates are too lousy here. Uh, the, the rents that you receive relative to your investment, which is essentially a cap rate. So if you're only getting 3% or something like that on Seattle property, that's not a very good cash flow. So they don't, uh, the sponsors tend not to buy in overpriced markets. You're not going to see DSTs in San Francisco or Seattle or areas that are losing population. You're not going to see them in Chicago or New York or New Jersey. Well, once in a while they're in New Jersey, actually. But the most common ones I've seen are in Texas. They're in Florida. Arizona, North Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, and kind of the southeast states, the Sun Belt states, uh, that's where most DSTs are if they're apartment complex. Self-storage can be anywhere because people have stuff everywhere. So mm-hmm. uh, that can be anywhere. And it, industrial parks can be pretty much anywhere because they might be a distribution facility. You know, I wouldn't buy maybe an apartment in Michigan, but I uh, uh, there was once an Amazon distribution facility in Michigan that was going to be a hub, you know, and a really long-term lease. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. So I, I would say that uh, it, it varies. Certainly the mobile home parks, they're going to be in Florida typically. And so uh, it does vary like that. But mostly Sunbelt State and South Southeast. And, you know, when you do a 1031 exchange, they call it a like-kind exchange. I've got rental houses, but I'm not necessarily going to exchange those for rental houses. I mean, I can exchange it for any number of different types of property. Yeah, any any investment real estate. So let's say you don't want to do a DST and, and you want to exchange it into a vacation home for yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, you really can't do that because that's a personal asset as opposed to an investment piece of real estate. And so you could invest in a rental house, but you can't just buy a principal residence and move into that and do an exchange with that. So it's investment real estate for investment real estate, and that's a pretty broad category, but it does exclude principal residence and second homes. Yeah, I mean, I can have a family farm or, uh, you know, almost anything, a winery, whatever, and I can uh, sell that and make that investment into a Delaware statutory trust, something that will actually generate some income. So that is something else to uh, think about, too. I did. Yeah, I did have a a kind of a life-changing appointment with this one person who been working hard his whole life and as properties came up around his business there in Seattle he'd buy the land and and he had amassed a fair amount of land there and wasn't spending a whole lot you know they didn't have a whole lot of money in the bank but uh, the land has gone way up in value and so the money he made working a lot of it went to the property taxes on that land so Mm -hmm. they were They've been living on a very, very tight budget, but uh, we determined, you know, if you sell just a couple of these pieces, we could add, you know, one to 200000 a year in rents to you. And he was like, what? <laughs> you know, and I don't have to just pay money? No, yeah. And it's not even all of it because, he, you know, he had amassed quite the little fortune there in raw land, but it wasn't producing any income. And so just by taking some of that, basically gave him permission to re- retire, gave him permission to start spending money to, to do other things, and he was just blown away by that and uh, he and his wife and it was a life-changing paradigm shift for them that they don't have to just be land rich and and not you know have any money in the bank or any money coming in and so that changed with the dst Brian, let's talk about the order of things once again. Let's say that I've got this uh, investment real estate. I'm tired of owning it, and I'm getting ready to sell it. There is a specific set of deadlines here, so let's run through the process a little bit. I've decided to sell it. I've listed it with the real estate broker. The next call I'm going to be making is 
to you, what happens next? Yeah, we got to make sure that uh, 1031 verbiage is in the purchase and sale agreement. It's in every standard contract, but what if you had a kind of a handshake thing or something on a napkin or whatever? Right. It might not be there, so you do have to have that. You do have to hire a qualified intermediary prior to it closing. And we would like to know the closing date once you know what it is. You might say, okay, I know when it is. It's in 30 days. Great. Well, then we will start paying attention to, for you, uh, which DSTs we might want to reserve uh, as they're getting closer to coming out to line it up with your closing date. So once your property closes, the money goes then to the qualified intermediary. And by then, we've probably already had the discussions as to how we're going to place it. So it could just be there for literally days uh, before it's uh, off to the, the investment itself. Or, you know, we have 45 days to identify which property. And maybe you're thinking about buying a property or maybe a DST. Well, you got 45 days to identify it. But uh, during that time, we, we would figure it out and the money be transferred during that, that period of time. So we have decided on a Delaware statutory trust property. Let's say that I traded my rental real estate, my residential real estate for an apartment building in another part of the country. I've got that. I've got a storage unit, etc., and some other buildings in there as well, too. So we're on our way with that. How long do these investments last? I mean, am I going to own these investments indefinitely, or is there a period of time that I'll have to maybe kick this can down the road and do another DST? Yeah, generally that's the case. Generally they're sold in less than 10 years because it's one of the rules of a DST. If they have financing, they can't be beyond 10 years and they can't be refinanced. So generally speaking, that sponsor will try and pick a good time based on market you know, what the markets are doing, pick a good time to sell for the benefit of all the owners because, you know, they want a good outcome too. Often they get extra money if it's made above a certain amount. They get some kind of profit split in there. So they want it to do good and they want you to reinvest with them too. They want you to have a good outcome and they want me to continue to pick them for my clients. So we're all on the same page. We want to do well and sell at the right time. But yeah, generally under 10 years. And then, you know, if there hasn't been a step up in basis, the owner hasn't passed away, then often you just keep doing a DST until you get a step up in basis someday. So if you think a DST may be an option for you, a solution for you as an active landlord, you want to get out of the toilets, tennis, and trash and get into the business of enjoying your life and still getting some rent paychecks, contact Madrona Financial for more information about 1031 Exchanges. Again, that website, madrona1031.com. Of course, you can find out more online at madronafinancial.com. If you have at least $500,000 to invest and you're looking to hire a new financial planner, once again, no cost, no obligation, that number 844-MADRONA, or you can request it online at madronafinancial.com. Time for a break, Brian. When we come back, we'll put a bow tie on today's show and answer some listener questions. All that and more when our show continues right after this. Discussing the financial issues that matter most to you. We'll be right back with more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Time for today's edition of Growing Your Wealth, presented by Madrona Financial. Here's Brian Evans. Today I want to talk about some of the challenges that people are having with their investment profiles, with their investment advisors, with their 401k plans. And that challenge is the fact that they basically are picking between A and B, stocks and or bonds. And they're looking at this going, well, wait a second, I'm looking at my bond investment and all they seem to do is lose money. You might have expected that because as rates rise, bond values decrease. 
We also know that this year has been very volatile in the stock market. Now, long-term stock market averages are very positive, generally for everybody, depending on when you started, but generally very positive. But they have not necessarily been positive this year. In fact, the international markets, both the emerging markets and the developed foreign markets, are down more than 10% so far this year. So it's been very, very difficult year in the area of stocks and bonds. So most people are sitting there going, well, my advisor has me in, you know, 60, 40 stocks to bonds or 40, 60 stocks to bonds, depending on my age. And my 401k plan is in the balance fund and these target funds and they're in, well, stocks and bonds. And then I have the choices of other stocks and bonds. And so pretty much that's all you have to choose from. And all I wanted to point out, there are a lot of different areas in which to choose from, but unfortunately you may not have access to it in your 401k plan. Although once you hit 59 and a half years old, you can have access to some of these other areas and your investment accounts with your advisor may be out to look outside the box for other alternatives. And that was Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, Madrona Financial, Investments, Retirement, Taxes, and Legacy. MadronaFinancial.com. Get your free copy of Brian's latest book, The Complete Book of Retirement. It covers everything from the basics of retirement planning to passive real estate investing. Arm yourself with information and take control of your retirement. Call Madrona Financial Services today at 844-MADRONA for your free copy or visit madronafinancial.com. Do you ever worry if your CPA and financial advisor are on the same page? You won't have to if you call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or visit them at madronafinancial.com. Now, back to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to answer some listener questions. And Brian, we don't do this as much as we'd like to, but we do get listener questions from all over our listening area, and certainly we want to hear from you. First one comes from Arthur in Bellevue, and he says, My wife and I are 66 and just retired. Where should I pull money for my retirement paycheck? Should I pull it from retirement accounts to reduce RMDs later on, or is there another strategy? What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to start by giving you the answer to every question we've ever had on this show. It, it depends. depends. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's why it's financial planning. If, if it didn't depend, you wouldn't need to listen to me. You just punch it into the program and it would tell you the answer. The answer here would be that the first thing I would do is look at your tax return. So if your tax return is, you know, well, hey, we haven't started Social Security yet. I'm not working. We're living off some savings for a year or two. What should I pull from? Well, I'm going to say, well, I think you should pull from your qualified accounts and actually volunteer those taxes now because you're volunteering them at extremely low rates, maybe even zero for a certain amount of that money. So tax planning is about paying the least overall over a period of time, not just the least in a given year. So rather than not have any taxable income this year and then a whole bunch when everything kicks in later, uh, you want to spread it out and have a lower rate. So I would say that uh, the first step to answering that question would be looking at their tax return. Our next question, Brian, comes from Tom, who listens to us in West Seattle, and he says, I am 65 years of age. Do you think a 3% average return on investments is a good enough conservative estimate for our retirement plan? Well, actually, uh, you know, that sounds low to everybody that's listening, but that's not a terrible idea to plug in 3 or 4% as your growth rate when you're doing your planning. 
because what you don't want to do is, you know, I can make any plan work if I pick 10% a year. Everybody's a rich person, you know, in 30 years, of course. But that may not be very realistic now. So I'd I'd rather underestimate what the earnings are going to be in the future, something none of us know at this point. So underestimate that. And then if your plan looks good on paper, you're likely more, much more likely to succeed in real life. And we will hope for much better returns than whatever you plugged in. But I'm a big proponent of having real conservative estimates in the financial plan. I have people go, well, I'm going to do better than this. I'm not going to spend that much. And I don't think I'm going to live that long and et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, well, we don't know this. But the fact that uh, we didn't put in high returns and we had you living in a long time, we had your expenses going way up and all that stuff, and you still look great, tells us what we need to know, that you're going to be okay to retire. Oh, I see where you're going with that. So, yeah, I I do like having low uh, estimates of earnings. Good question there, Clayton. Thank you for listening to us every week. Our next question comes from Charles, and he listens to us in Mill Creek, and he says, I'm 66, my wife is 64, and we plan to retire in a year. We have $120,000 left on our mortgage and want to know whether it's a good idea to pay off our mortgage before retirement. Yes, another, uh, it depends. (laughs) Uh, It depends on a couple of things. One is generally I would say that's probably not a bad idea to pay it off because at that level, you probably aren't getting much of an income tax deduction because you already get the $24,000 standard deduction. So $150,000 mortgage, the interest on that isn't enough with property taxes and so forth to maybe make it so that you itemize. So there's no tax benefit, depending on the interest rate on the loan, of course, that that's one of the considerations. And what can you invest that in that do you think you can get a whole lot more in an investment? But I've seen a lot of people say, hey, I'm really conservative. I, you know, I have money in a CD and I have a mortgage. I'm like, well, you know, that CD is paying you less than what you're paying out on that mortgage. Why don't you cash it in and pay off the mortgage with it? So kind of depends on your investment profile. You know, me personally, I might go a different route. I think investing in my business, I'll get better than a mortgage rate. So I wouldn't pay it off. However, most people don't own a business. So they might decide, you know, I think I will because that's a guaranteed rate return, whatever my interest rate is that I'm saving. Charles, thanks for listening to us in Mill Creek. Next question comes from Gary, and he is in Tacoma. And Gary writes, I've read things about the 4% withdrawal strategy, which seems to indicate that I'm going to be reducing my savings by 4% each year. It seems like I should be earning at least 4% of that money and that the principal should stay the same. What do you expect or advise clients for returns on a conservative portfolio? Well, for once, I can't say it depends on the way that you ask that question. So that's good. In this case, I would say diversification is your friend because we have to be concerned with sequence of return risk, meaning that if you're pulling 4% out and we've had a, you know, we've seen this happen where the markets dropped significantly in the early 2000s or 2008 or during COVID or whatever, and you're pulling money out when it's low, that sequence uh, can really hurt your portfolio to where that 4% rule just doesn't really work for you even though you think you're going to average more than that. So you have to be real careful with that. Statistically, about one out of every three years over the last hundred years, the market has lost money. And so, gee, uh, if, if that's the case, then again, there's there's a risk there. 
Now, if you have, I mentioned diversification, if you have real estate and you have a pension or annuities or fixed index universal life, along with your stock market portfolio, then you're taking some of the risk down for that sequence of returns. So if the market crashed, you know, uh, in a given year, maybe your real estate wasn't that affected. Maybe certainly your FIUL and your fixed index annuity didn't lose money generally if um, because they have floors of zero. So you've taken some of that risk out, maybe some of the upside out too, uh, in place of uh, taking out some of the downside. So I would say a diversified portfolio would help ensure that uh, if you were using that 4% draw rate, that you uh, would be much better off uh, in case of a crash. Good question, Gary. Our next question comes from William in Everett. And William says, it seems like people approaching retirement get very conservative with their investments. Should they? Hey, it depends, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everybody's different. Risk and, tolerance. you know, sometimes uh, people in their 90s are going, you know, I got more money. I, I don't spend anything. And, and this is for the next generation. My kids are 60. And so this is a 30 year investment. So you're absolutely right. You don't need CDs and all that stuff just because you're 90. You can kind of go for it because you don't care. It's for uh, the next two generations, maybe. So it is long term money. And some people are just built to be invested the whole time, you know. Some of my most aggressive investors have been my oldest ones. But generally speaking, yes, uh, when you get to that ripe old retirement age, whatever that is, let's say it's 65 or whatever, then a shift in your your goals and objectives may have occurred that it used to be that growth was your primary objective. Now it's security and cash flow. And because you've gotten enough and you said, all right, if I don't screw it up, I can have a successful retirement. Maybe I should pull some of the risk off the table. Maybe I should pull some money out of the market just in case that crash that keeps happening every so often happens that I would have some money in annuities or universal life that that has uh, floors, contractual floors or some other asset types so that I don't have to concern myself. I won't ruin my retirement if we have a big market drop. These are all very good questions. And once again, if you have questions for us you'd like us to answer on the air, you can email them in to us. Simply go to the website, madronafinancial.com. There's an email link. You can send them to us there, or you can call them in if you want to, 844-MADRONA. And for those people who send questions in, we use them on the air. We'll send you out a book, and you can have either Prosperous Revelations, or you can have the Little Red Book of Retirement. I think I saw a bunch of those in the closet upstairs there. Brian, or you can have both of them. We'll find some way to reward you, and thank you you very much for listening. Brian, we've talked about uh, a lot of things on the show today. This is the beginning of the second half of the year. What do you think? I know we don't have a crystal ball, but how do you see the second half of the year shaking out for us? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I think we're going to have inflation because, you know, we have supply chain disruption, uh, pent-up demand, uh, all kinds of things. We had a stimulus. Depends on how much more money goes in the economy, certainly. You know, there's it's interesting also because as you talked during break that you've seen stores and even fast food shut down yeah. because they, they, they don't even have workers. They got no one to flip the burger, you know. It's like, wow, I've never seen that before. So... We've got a really interesting set of circumstances uh, with all the stimulus going on and trying to keep inflation down. That's that's going to be a tough battle. That doesn't really work that way. And so I don't know what you know what this uh, this year is going to be. But we are seeing big shifts. So it, it's certainly probably one of the more interesting years in the history of oh, yeah. of investing uh, coming up here. 
And I'm also hearing about this Delta variant of uh, COVID, too. It remains to be seen how much that is going to impact us here, but that is something else I think that you need to keep in the back of your mind. So a lot of changes going on here in the world, and of course, we invite you to join us every week here for Growing Your Wealth so you can keep up on things. Out of time for this week, Brian. Thank you for your time. Thank our listeners for their time. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out there, have a safe, cool, and calm, collected weekend. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth.